0: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, I'm excited today because we continue a message series entitled The Greatest Storyteller. And to set this up, um, if you were here last week, we often talk specifically about who's the greatest of all time. And when it comes to storytelling, if you know and if you've read the Bible, you know that Jesus Christ is the greatest story of all times. And a lot of his teaching, he would have a crowd around him. And to illustrate a point, if someone asked him a question, a specific question, he would often tell a story to illustrate his point. And by the end of the story, nobody would know with where he's going. Wait a second, what's he talking about? What does he mean? And then at the end, of the story, all of a sudden you'd say, oh, wow, that's why that makes sense. And they would understand his teaching at a great and deep level. To set this up um, specifically, I remember I was coaching uh, five-year-olds in t-ball. And if you've ever coached five-year-olds in t-ball, it's an amazing experience. It's like herding cats. Basically, your job is to make sure that they all have a great time and that they all don't get hurt. That's really, really what it's about. And so all of a sudden we're in the middle of the season. And uh, if you don't know anything about this, is that like everyone bats. And so it's, it's not like regular baseball. Everyone gets a turn to bat every inning. And so the last person, when you score enough runs, the last person at bat, what you usually tell them is, hey, when you hit the ball, just keep running. They'll have fun. It'll be excitement. Parents will laugh. Just keep running. Just keep running. So I remember all of a sudden, you know, we, we got up to the sitting and this one little boy, his name was Jeff. Jeff gets up and he's the last going to be the last batter. So Jeff, when you hit it, just run all the way, run all the way. And so he's like, okay, okay. So he hits the ball and he runs and he stops at first base. We're like, go, 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 go. And he, and he stops at first base. So the next time he's up, he ends up being the last batter again. And I said, Jeff, I said, all right, I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to run all the way home. And it didn't look like he was understanding it because I don't think he knew that home plate was home. He hadn't got that far in his progressions. So he knew what third base was. So I said, Jeff, I said, when you hit the ball, I said, I want you to run all the way to third. Run all the way to third. You got it, Jeff? Yes, Coach Terry. Yes. All right. So after you hit it, just don't stop. Run all the way to third. Yes. Go as fast as you can. Yes. Sure enough, Jeff gets up in the box. Here's the tee. the ball's on the tee. He hits the ball. Now, for those of you who don't know baseball, first base is that way, and third base is that way. And Jeff went in to hit that ball, and he took off to third base. We all are laughing. He comes in the deck. I go, Jeff, I said, you got to run to first and to second base before you can get to third. He said, Coach, you told me to go as fast as I could to third base, and I did. He was wise. And the story we're going to tell today has a lot to do with that. When Jesus speaks, when you hear the wisdom that God gives you, do you follow it? Jeff heard wisdom that he thought was go as fast as you can to third base. He listened and he did it. Sometimes I think we as Christians wish that when we heard what God says, that we had the same fortitude as Jeff to just go and do it. If you're not familiar with the Bible, today we're going to jump into the story of the wise and the foolish builder. Now, if, if, you're new to, if, if you've been a part of Christianity or if you've been a Christian for a long time, you have heard this story. And I don't want you to tune out because here's what I think. I think a lot of us have heard this story. And don't worry if you don't know the story. I'm going to unpack it in just a second. But I don't think a lot of us go to the paragraph before the story. Because the paragraph before the story sets up the entire story and makes it make sense at a much deeper and profound level. Here's what we're going to do. You type A personalities, let me tell you exactly what we're going to do. There are two places in the Bible where Jesus specifically talks about the wise and the foolish builder. He talks about it in the book of Matthew, he talks about it in the book of Luke. We're going to jump to both places because both of them illustrate different things. It's the same story told in two different ways, but I don't want you to get confused. You can follow along on the screen. Therefore, you can kind of follow along with what we're doing. I promise you, though, I want you to take notes today because there are some things that I'm going to say that are going to hurt. There's going to be some toes that I'm going to step on. If you're a young family in this room, you're going to have your toes stepped on because I'm going to have my toes stepped on today because I believe what Jesus has to say is really, really important to today's life in which we live. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump to Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. Again, you can follow along on the screen. But let's see Jesus talk about what it means, the difference between the wise and the foolish builder. Here we go. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart heart. Jesus Christ is addressing individuals and he leads off. He starts to tell the story and he says, Hey, there's a difference between good and evil. And if you're a good person, then what comes from your heart will flow out of you and good things will come. If you're an evil person, what is inside of your heart that will come out in the moment of decision and you will see evil specific things. What he was basically talking about is our hearts are like a safe. That within our hearts, deep down in our hearts, there are things stored up. There is a lot of knowledge. Nobody in this room, husbands and wives, siblings, nobody knows the inner deepest parts of all of it in entirety of someone's heart. There is a whole lot of stuff that has been poured into our hearts. And it acts like a specific safe. So, for instance, if this was my heart, my safe, in other words, what's deep inside this safe is a lot of what I'm intaking and holding on to. In other words, there's a lot of people who speak into my life. And I promise you, I've had a lot of lunches with a lot of people. And if I sit there and someone is sharing something that I think at the moment, ooh, this is important, ooh, I need to hold on to this. I'm going to receive this and I'm going to place it in the treasury of my heart. I'm going to hang on to it so that later on this week or next week, it comes out specifically of my heart. There's a lot of things that are shared with me that I say, you know what, I'm not going to receive that. And so I reject it and I don't put it in the treasury of my heart. And what Jesus is saying is, is that if you are a good person, that the things of wisdom, the things of knowledge, the things that are going to lead you to health, those are the things you need to grab and you need to store in the treasury of your heart. But if you're an evil person, if you do wrong things, then you're going to gravitate and you're going to want to take the shortcuts. You're going to want to take the easy way out and store those things in the treasury of your heart. And so if you open up the safe of my heart, you're going to... Guys... Diet Coke. Thank you, guys. No, you won't find Diet Coke in the treasury of my heart. But what you should find are things of wisdom that pour out. And that's how Jesus starts the story of the wise and the foolish builder. So if you're sitting here today, he hits you. Are you good or are you evil? Either way, he continues on. And take a look at what he says in the next verse. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. He says, are you good or are you evil? Nice ringtone. Are you good or are you evil? And then he says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do what I say? In other words, Terry, why are you going to sit there and read or listen to me and refuse to put it in the treasury of your heart? Why do you call me Lord of your life? If I'm Lord of your life, that means what I say goes. And if I speak to you, if I challenge you, if I convict you, if something that I share with you say I'm not doing that and I should be doing that, I know it's wrong and I feel conviction. So I need to take that, Lord, and I need to put it in the treasury of my heart so in the future that I will do the right thing and not the wrong thing. And Jesus looks at Terry and says, why do you call me Lord if you're not willing to do that? Because you're not really following me, and that means I'm not really your Lord. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is a big difference between knowing Jesus and following Jesus. There's a big difference between knowing Jesus, knowing the name of Jesus, and actually following Jesus. I can go in Myrtle Beach around everywhere, and I promise you, I'll be hard pressed to find one person that doesn't know the name of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't make you a Christian, that doesn't make you wise question is, do you follow Jesus? Let me illustrate this another way. In Fort Lauderdale, I was growing at my last church in the year 2000. We were going to host a huge satellite conference with John Maxwell. And John Maxwell was going to be on our on our stage at our church. And they were going to broadcast to all 50 states, to all bunch of churches all around the nation. So we were really pumped. We were excited. Couldn't wait to have John here. So all of a sudden we're in negotiations and everything else. We're setting up. We got the praise team and everything. We're getting ready to go. And this little thing called a hurricane popped up in the Atlantic ocean. And all of a sudden we're watching it. And then they put that forecast cone and they slam it right to South Florida. And so we're talking with John Maxwell's folks and we're like, oh no, it's Florida. It's gonna curve. I promise it'll change. It's gonna be great, no problem. And they're like, okay, we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it. It gets to Thursday before the Saturday event and they went ahead and they made the decision at the moment. um, We're gonna pull out and go to our sister location. Uh, So we're we're gonna stay in Georgia. You guys are gonna be in Florida. Um, We're sorry. We're so sorry that we're not gonna be able to be there. We were bummed because on Friday, guess what that hurricane did? It went the other way. So here we are on Saturday. My pastor, his name at the time was Larry Thompson, is Larry Thompson. And so Larry and John, they're talking and everything else. They just met for the first time on Friday. They don't know each other. John doesn't know Larry from Adam, but they talked a few times and everything else. So on Saturday morning, praise and worship starts. We're watching from Fort Lauderdale on satellite, on a screen. We're kind of bummed. And so all of a sudden, John Maxwell steps on the stage and he goes, Before we start. I just want to say to the people of Fort Lauderdale, brothers and sisters, we're really sorry. Obviously, that hurricane turned, so praise God for that. But we wish we could have been there for you. And I just want to say a special shout out. I have a dear and deep friend down in South Florida, the pastor of that church. And I'm sitting there in the front row, and I'm like, okay, John, you you've just met him and talked to him on you know, Friday. You're not deep, dark friends or this and that. And all this my dear friend, Larry Tompkins. Now, his name is Larry Thompson. So, of course, my pastor got up in front of everybody and said, Hey, guys, my name is Larry Tompkins. It's nice to meet you. Here's the point. I think we do that with Jesus. I think we tell others, Oh, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Jesus is amazing and this and that, blah, 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 blah. And we hardly know Jesus. And Jesus looks at us and says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't even know me? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you're not wise? You don't listen to the things I say and store them in the treasury of your heart. And so here at our church, our mission, and I'm going to say it over and over again, is very simple. We're here to help people, next slide, help people to follow Jesus. Because there's a far difference between knowing who Jesus is and following Jesus. And our hope is that when you hear these things, you place them in your heart and they flow out from you. And so Jesus begins with that, and now he's going to go into a story. But before we jump into that story, let me make something very, very clear before I do. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord, that means at the end of the day, if you were to die today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will be in eternity. If you've accepted him at one point in your life and said, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior, that you can rest assured that you will see him in heaven. However, there are times that while I might have my life secure, there are times that I act like a fool. And we're going to talk about this in just a second. But just to make it very clear, one of my favorite passages in scripture for those of you in this room is Romans 9, And it says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have said, I want you as my Lord and you follow him, you will spend eternity. And that I wanted to get out before we go into this. So there's no confusion in the room. So Jesus opens up and says, all right, there's a difference between knowing my name and following me. And so let's jump into the story, the story of the wise and the foolish builder. This comes from Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Anyone who stores it in their treasury and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't put it in the treasury of their heart so it can overflow out of them is known as a person who is foolish and is like a person who builds their house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let me give you some context into what Jesus was really saying. He basically illustrated at that time that in the Jerusalem area in that whole region, if you've ever been there, you could go there at certain times of the year and there'll be a river and a riverbed, and it'll be a trickle there'll be just a tiny little bit of water in it, and there are people who would build their houses up against the river because they'd like it. hey it's beautiful there's a river here, this would be really nice and so he illustrates this: there are two people who go to this river when it's trickling, and here 's what one of them does well. There's no danger. It's just trickling. I can move my house up as close to the river as I want. And you know what? I don't need to go ahead and build it deep. I can put it right on the sand because it's just a trickle. It's no big deal. It's not going to bother the house. I'm going to have riverfront property. This is going to be great. There's another person who takes his house, looks at the trickle of the river, but has perspective and says, wait a second. In this region, if you've ever been, if those of you are going with us to Israel um, later in the year, you know this that at times and seasons of the year when the rains come, the flood waters will rise. And that little trickle all of a sudden overflows its banks every single year. And it will crash against the things that are to the side of the river. And the person who is wise builds their house and digs deep and puts it on bedrock. And here's the illustration what Jesus was really saying is the foolish builder is going to be building it at the same time. And all of his friends are going to say, look at that fool over there. You're already done with your house. And this guy keeps digging down to bedrock. There's no need for that. Why are you doing that. I mean, what's it for? Really? You're going to be fine. You're wasting so much money and so much time. We're having a good time over here partying and you're still building. Meanwhile, this guy knows this right now. It might not be necessary, but there'll be a time when the rains and the waters will flood. And sure enough, later on, what Jesus says is when the rains came, the foolish builder lost their house. The wise person kept it because it was built upon the bedrock. So I love this story because most of us in this room, we go, that's me. I would have the fortitude. I'd have gone there. I'd have saw that little trickle in the water and doesn't fool me. It's going to rage. So I'm going to build like the wise builder and I'm going to be the wise person on the bedrock. Oh, really? Just in case, let's talk specifically about what it means to be a fool, as in Jesus was saying. So definition of a fool is this. It comes from the original word moros, which means no perspective. Good for nothing. Actual definition, insolent, stupid. That's in the definition of that original word. And it actually is the root word for the word moron. I love the fact that Jesus calls the foolish builder and basically pulls it from moron. I like that. Just, you know, hey, if you're not a Christianity, like, yes, Jesus even used that. But he basically says if you're a fool, it means that you're a moron. That means you have no perspective. And so none of us in this room are morons, right? None of us are fools, Right. Get ready to have your toes stepped on. Here's what I like to do, type A's. I'm going to say a few statements. I'm going to define a fool. If any of these hit you, if you're doing any of these, I want you to take your pen, I want you to circle it. And I want you to ask yourself a simple question Am I going to place this in the treasury of my heart? And am I going to do something about it? If you're a foolish builder, if you're a fool, what does it mean to be a fool? I'll tell you what it means to be a fool. When a six inch screen is more important than a six year old, you're a fool. When a six inch screen is more important than a six year old, you're a fool. Go out to a restaurant tonight and go sit at the tables and take a look around the restaurant. Take a look at how many families of four. All four of them are on their phones and they don't say two words to one another and they sit there the whole time. And the six inch screen is more important than the six year old in the room. If that's true, you're a fool. Now, here's the great thing about it. You can actually get a service dog to protect you from this. True story. You can actually order a service dog. They're amazing. They're incredible. You haven't seen this yet? It's incredible. It's amazing. I, and they're awesome. They're good pets too, service dog. And this and that. So some of you, if you struggle with this, you no, know, no need to look any further. You just need to order a service dog like this. Take a look. Even a service dog knows what a fool looks like. But again, if a six inch screen is more important than a six year old, you're a fool. And I'm just calling it out and you're building your house on sand. All right, here's the next statement. When sports are more important than spiritual, you're a fool. When sports are more important than the spiritual, you're a A fool. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a little bit. But if you ask yourself the question, what is more important? Where what do I invest in my kids? Do they know more about who the starting quarterback of the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers are, as opposed to the certain biblical figures that they should know for a foundation of their life? If sports are more important than spiritual, you're a fool. When a football game is more important than a foot rub, you're a fool, guys. Let that sink in for a second. Ladies are saying, amen. But be careful, ladies. If you're a single lady in the audience today, when carrots are more important than character, you're a fool. When the size of someone's bank account is more important than the treasury of their heart, you're a fool. And for those of you in the room who always like to be right. When confrontation is more important than conversation, you're a fool. When confrontation is more important than conversation, you're a fool. Now, for some of us in this room, that can hit deep. And I know what you're saying. Some of you are saying, well, Terry, you know, that's not fair. Terry, I mean, come on, you know, sports and spiritual. I mean, ever, are you saying that I can't like sports? I can't like football? Hey, I think I've watched every single Chicago Cubs game this year. It's biblical, but anyway. um, So no, I'm not saying you can't love sports. I'm saying, though, that your relationship with God and the way that you lead your family and the way specifically that you pour into your family is far more important than the Cubs score. So what does it mean? And how can we move from being... I like playing in the sand. It's a lot of fun. But how do we move over to bedrock? Let me define what it means to be wise. Write this down. Wise in the original language means to be prudent, to be clever, to be skillful. And I love the last definition. It means to be planned. It means that if you really want to be wise, that you have to have perspective. Like the wise builder, he didn't look at the here and now only. He looked into the future and said, wait a second, if I build now in about six months, the floodwaters are going to rise and my house is going to be gone. I've got to be planned out. I need to be planned for the future. There is no way that I'm going to build a house on sand. Because the waves, the wind are going to crash. If you sit there and you think in your life you're not going to have difficult times, if you think that you shouldn't save, whether it be financially or whatever, because you don't think that you'll have expenses growing up, then you are being a fool. And so what does it mean to be specifically wise? We're going to touch base on all the things I called out over there. How do we then, Terry, how do we be wise? I told you when a six inch screen is more important than a six year old, you're a fool. What does it mean to be wise in this situation? When the fear of missing out becomes more about your family and less about your phone, you're wise. If you were here months ago, I talked about the fear of missing out. Do you know on average that about 95% of society in America today is near within four feet of their phone at all times? Think about it, guys. Think about it, gals. It's on the nightstand next to you when you sleep. It's in your pocket when you go about your day. It's in your car right next to you. 95% of Americans, when they have a phone, it's within four feet at all times. You have a fear of missing out. You want to make sure you know what the latest news is. You want to know what the Instagram photos say. You don't want to know what the celebrity or the sports figure or the scores. You want to know what the president has said today. You can't afford to miss out on any of that. But when you care more about missing what's happening with your family than you do about in society, you're wise. There are some of you that need this for your home. Take a look at this. This is a picture of a family who put a box near their door, and I've said it all the time, that when you come home as a family, everybody puts their electronics and their phones in that box, and you become unplugged. That when you sit at the dinner table, that you care more about saying, tell me about your day, tell me what happened, tell me how I can help you, what's going on in your life, that you care more about missing out on your teenager's life than you do about what's happening in society. When you do that and you operate in such a way and when you actually take this and you put it into this safe, because here's my fear, we can skip the rest of the message. I promise you that a lot of you right now are saying that's true. A lot of you are saying that's us. A lot of you are saying we're missing out and a lot of you are making commitments right now to say we need to change this. But here's the question. Are you actually going to take that and put it in the treasury of your heart and let it flow out of you and do it? If you do, you're wise. But if you sit here in the room and say, that's me, we need to change, we need to stop and tomorrow or this week you don't do anything to do it, guess what you are? But we don't want to be a fool. We want to be wise. When you get more excited about a touch from God than you do a touchdown, you're wise. And here's what I mean by that. It's very simple. Every single day, I've got a 10-year-old. You all know I share a lot of stories about him. He's going to need therapy in about 10 years, I know. But after church, many times he'll come home with me And it's really easy. We love the Miami Dolphins and it's fun to see him put his Dolphin shirt on. Don't make fun of us. I know we're Dolphin fans, it's been lousy. Marino, 17-0. Anyway, um, we're Dolphin fans. And so we're in the car and it's really easy during football season to be able to talk about, oh, it's almost one o'clock, it's time to get home. Hurry up, we're gonna miss kickoff. It's gonna be amazing. Who do you think is gonna win? Do you think we have a chance? It's really easy to get in the car and to make that important. And that's a default for a lot of us. But you know what's even better? is when you're in church and when you come out of church is to win as a dad or a mom is to be able to get in the car and to be able to have a conversation about what just happened. It's as if you're telling your kids, you know what, guys, Sundays are important. And what you just experienced when we dropped you off and when you learned in your environment, that matters. It matters so much that I want to have a conversation with you. It matters so much that I want to be able to answer any questions that you have. It matters so much that I want to dive into your world to show you that this is more important than a touchdown. Now, some of you in this room, you say, Terry, that's true. But a lot of times I don't know what they've learned. If that's you, I want two words to ring. Parents in this room, grandparents. It's called a parent queue. You see that on this screen here. There is an app called a parent queue and there are handouts. In fact, I've got them right here. There are handouts that you should be getting every single week when you go to pick up your elementary or preschool child. Middle schoolers have access to this as well. If you have a preschool through middle schooler, you can know every single Sunday what is going on in their world spiritually. And you can win as a dad or a mom. Last week, I knew that they were talking about wisdom. So I knew that I was preaching on this this week. And so I sat in the car and said, Connor, I said, I see you're talking about wisdom. What does wisdom mean? And Connor went ahead and he spouted it out. I go, what do you think it means? to be wise and he in his own language talked to me about what it meant to be wise and then I said you know Connor what, what I'm teaching on next week the wise and the foolish builders he's like dad is that the one where the wise guy builds his house on rock and I go yes but don't call him wise guy you know you're Chicago it'd be, be anyway, bad and he goes yeah and the fool he built his house on sand I go yes he did son And we had a 10-minute conversation on what it means to be wise. And I shared with him, Connor, it's like this. If daddy shares something with you and you don't do it, are you wise or are you a fool? He goes, I'm a fool, dad. You know what I said to him? You don't need to come to the service next week because you get it. Every parent or grandparent in this room, every week, you should go into that room and grab these. And this should be the most important thing that you do on Sunday on your drive home with your kids. Now, here's the reason why I don't think a lot of you in the balcony on the floor, here's the reason why many of you don't do it. Here's what I believe. I believe you're worried at times. I believe that you're intimidated at times. That Terry, we don't know what's on this sheet, but I don't know a lot about the Bible. And my worry is, is we're going to get in the car. My son just learned it and he's going to come and he's going to ask me questions that I don't have the answers to. And it's going to make me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. And I don't want to lose as a dad or a mom. So I'd rather not talk about it and look like a fool instead of just allowing him to absorb it. Let me tell you something. If that's you, I get it then you've never looked at this because all you have to do is this. It is made so that way you don't have to have a theological degree so you can win with your kids. And if you get in the car and you actually take this and you actually make this a part of your life, you are wise. Because here's what a fool thinks. A fool thinks the church is responsible for the spiritual growth of their child. If you think that, you're a fool. It's not the church's job, it's the parent's job. And if you want your kids to have a treasury and when they get older and they're on their own and they have to make a difficult choice, if you want out of their treasury to come the right things, you better start pouring into them. Otherwise, you're a fool. But we want to be wise. There's another phrase. When the phrase, I can't be bothered right now, refers to your date night of the week rather than the game of the week, you're wise. There are many of you that need to put the same parameters around your Friday nights as you do your Sunday afternoons and your Thursday nights and your Monday nights. True story, yesterday was my 17th wedding anniversary. And we had dear friends who, when they found out that it was our anniversary, they said, we're taking Connor, and in fact, we're going to have a sleepover with him so you can have the whole day and you can have the night and you can enjoy your anniversary. I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But let me tell you what happened. This is a true story. I went out on the beach with Jennifer and we did nothing. We sat in the sand with our feet in the water for five hours and cooked on the beach. But do you know, we took a walk on the beach and this is exactly exactly what I said to her. I said, Jennifer, we need to do this more. I said, this is the most conversation uninterrupted that we've had in a long time. I feel more connected to you right now than I have in a long while. And I need to put stricter boundaries around that time so that we can connect. If you've been a part of our church, you know this, and every marriage in this room should have this as a commandment, and it's this. Three things you need to do is dialogue daily, date weekly, and depart annually. That in your marriage, do you make dialoguing every day, having a great conversation, connecting, that you date weekly. You don't have to spend money. You could take a walk on the beach. You could sit and watch Netflix if you like. Guys, don't do that every single week. You'll get in trouble. But you can do that from time to time. And then annually, you need to prepare and get away so that you can connect. We're running out of time, so I would share this. When security, next slide, comes from who you are and not what others think you're wise. When your security and decision that when you finally say, you know what, I don't care what culture says, what my family says, what my friend says, this is what Jesus says. And I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to do. And I'm secure enough in who I am in Christ that what others think doesn't matter. Do you know who gave the greatest representation of this? a guy by the name of David, King David. And he once said this, and I want you to look at this scripture because those of you in this room who think you're insecure and you have to do what others say, because you know what? I'm not popular. I, I, you know, I just don't think that I can do this. I want you to look at this scripture. This comes from Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. It's as if you look at God and say, God, you made me and you're awesome. When you're wise, you say that. And last but not least, when learning and loving are more important than yelling and telling, you're wise. Sometimes it's more important to be wrong and connected than right. And it feels good to be right. If there were more conversations and more pride being put down, you'd connect more as a family. I close with this. Jesus said this, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, doesn't put it in the treasury of their heart is a fool. But anyone who listens to my teaching, puts it in the treasury of their heart and follows it, is wise. The fool builds his house on the sand. The wise person builds his house on the rock. What did you take today that Jesus said that you're going to place in the treasury of your heart so that you can be wise? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, there is a lot in this message that is hitting home with a lot of families in this room, with a lot of single adults in this room, with a lot of grandparents in this room. And God, I pray at the end of the day, what is the one most important issue that they need to take? They need to listen to you, put it in the treasury of their heart. And then this day, this week, actually follow it. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.